You are listening to Rock Rega, Just a Minute, Teachings and Inspirations from Master Educators, a new podcast project of the Covenant Foundation in association with Jcast Network. Our goals in this series are to share the wisdom and stories of Master Educators to a wider audience. For more information about the Covenant Foundation, please visit covenantfn.org. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. When I was studying as a graduate student at Emory University, I was invited to a class uh, in Breshid in Genesis. And one of the activities we had, of course, we got to look at Midrashim. And one of them in particular irritated me. And I wrote him and told him I didn't like it. It really didn't do justice to what this text could be about. And he wrote me back a two-line answer to my email. And he said, write one. So I did. Um, I wrote it and I sent it to him and he wrote back a two-line response, which was, publish this. And it was, in fact, the first piece that I ever had published in a magazine. The magazine was Response and uh, this was from 1994. I will uh, tell you about this and then I'm going to read you uh, my brief and I hope entertaining midrash. Uh, the verse that is the puzzling verse is uh, uh, Genesis 1.16. God made the two great lights, the great light for ruling the day and the small light for ruling the night, as well as the stars. So what is it the rabbis come to question? Well, the puzzlement seems to come from the fact that it says God made two great lights and then suddenly, without explanation, the two great lights become one great light for ruling the day and one small light for ruling the night. And the question the rabbis ask is what happened between the making of the lights and the appointment of their sovereignties? When did one become small? And why was the great one set to rule the day and the small one to rule the night? So there are three standard uh, traditional sources that we looked at. One was the Talmud. Uh, another was uh, from Louis Ginsburg's compilation of Midrashim, Legends of the Jews, and uh, the Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer. And they offer explanations for the apparent textual inconsistency. And um, all three of them, um, even though they're somewhat different in the way they um, approach it, see the moon as uh, a female first of all, who is trying to cajole and convince God that she, in fact, should be bigger, that you cannot share power equally, and that one of them needs to be bigger. And, and in some of them, she actually builds a kind of legal precedent for her request and so forth, quite elegant arguments. But in each case, uh, God uh, becomes angered and punishes the moon for this request, this uh, what he considers an appropriate request, and punishes the moon by making the moon smaller. And in all three accounts, classical accounts, greatness and importance are equated with size and power and domination. And it's the moon's desire for size and power and domination and control that ultimately leads to her downfall. And um, because of this immodest request, she's made smaller, and this diminution, this weakening, is her punishment. My question that I that 
upset me about this was that I saw this as a totally domination-oriented lens. And, and so the Midrash I wrote reinterprets greatness and it skews that uh, equation that relates power to importance. Uh, it's an unusual view of power. Uh, it gives voice to those qualities of being that are often silent and ignored and even disparaged. And in the sense that these qualities are often associated with the feminist side of us, I suppose you could call this a feminist interpretation, but I'm not sure uh, that, that it is. Uh, I offer it to you. Here it is. In a different light. God made the two great lights, the great light for ruling the day and the small light for ruling the night, as well as the stars. All that God created in this world was created male and female. So too were the twin spheres that were created on the fourth day. The male sphere approached God and regaled. I am the male and so should dominate my sister. Let me be greater than she is, larger in size and more powerful in strength. God then saw the seeds of rivalry in her creation and in her wisdom answered, Son, you shall be larger and more powerful than your sister. Your size and strength shall dominate hers. The sun luxuriated in his easy victory, and he shone. But, God continued, you've shown poor judgment in your request, for great power contains within it the seeds of damage and destruction. You, my son, now so great and glorious, will be blamed for famine for your piercing and endless heat will parch the earth. Your fiery rays will burn the skin of those exposed, and you will cause cancers to erupt on human flesh. Your strong rays will burn out the eyes of those who stare at you. No one will ever gaze at you. No one will look at you. The sun gulped, but his rays already had begun to grow longer and stronger. Your sister, the moon, will be smaller and less powerful, as you requested, but she will comfort all who gaze upon her. Hounds will bay in song as she lights the darkness. Poets and lovers will be moved to rapture by her hazy afterglow. Moonstruck will become a synonym for dazzled by the wonders of love, while sunstroke will come to mean dehydration followed by death. She will be ever-changing, ever-watched, ever-admired, ever-mysterious. No one will pierce her poetic potential. Composers will be inspired by her. Artists will be moved to capture her essence on canvas. Writers will glorify her powers. The comforting, womb-like waters which surround the globe, filled with the rich life of the sea, will be controlled by her. The rhythmic ebb and flow of the tides whose sounds comfort those nearby and create the pulse of the earth will be hers to control. No two days will find her the same. Rather, every night will reveal her subtle changes. Her every movement will be studied and glorified. Time will be measured by her. Cycles will be calculated through her. The calendar will be fixed using her and each month. She will be blessed. The son thought to interrupt God and so stop this panoply of gifts his sister now had acquired as a result of his ill-conceived play for power. 
but God's voice grew sterner with each statement. And as God glorified the moon, the sun's bulk and radiance continued to increase and his firm rays reached out far beyond his initial grasp. He tried to speak, but he could not find his voice. Yes, son, you shall rule over your sister, God continued. Your greed shall be tempered, however, because now you shall know fully the burdens of power. The forces of which you now have possession shall make you both feared and unloved. Your name shall be Shemesh, Sham Esh, for there in you will be the symbol of fire and destruction. And I will call your sister Yareach, for contained in her will be God's perfume, my ineffable fragrance made visible. Sensing the silken shimmer of blue-gray light dancing across the waves, the two stopped their interchange. Their attention was drawn skyward to watch the graceful ascent of the moon into the starry night. And God set them in the expanse of the heaven to give light upon the earth. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Please look out for future episodes coming out in the weeks ahead. The opening and closing music for this episode was Lichi Lach by Debbie Friedman, recorded live at the Covenant Award Dinner in 1996.